0: Thank you, Nick. Well, welcome this morning, friends, from me. It's lovely to see you. Any new, but you new or visiting, my name's Mark. I'm a senior pastor here. And it's great to have you with us at St. Paul's. I was listening to Radio 4 this week in the morning. I don't know how many of you or others of you are avid Radio 4 listeners. I love it first thing in the morning. And they were interviewing somebody on Tuesday morning, I think it was, who was... Um, saying that there are 199 days left until the Olympics and uh, how it was one of the athletes, how they were at the top of their game, you know, and I listened to this interview for a few minutes and as the interview came to land, I was thinking, we've got the gold in our hands already. I mean, you know, listening to the athlete, I was thinking, we're there. Then I woke up to reality and I thought, well, what are we really good at in this country? And I thought, well, we probably haven't got the world's best rugby team, we probably haven't got the world's best football team, we haven't, probably haven't got the world's best team in many things actually, and we might get a few goals, I hope we do, but we probably haven't got the world's best in anything. That got me wondering, I thought, what are we really good at in this country? Cycling and sailing, okay. I, I think I think if it were an Olympic sport we could get gold in complaining. <laughs> I thought the English we are great grumblers. We could we could take it guaranteed every year. We're pretty good at that, aren't we? If it's if it's the middle of summer we're complaining it's too hot. If it's the middle of winter we're complaining it's too cold. If our lawn is getting watered by our Heavenly Father, we're complaining it's too wet. We've always got something to complain about, haven't we? We complain about the price of food. We complain about bus fares and tube fares. We complain about the state of the roads. We complain uh, in all sorts of ways. And of course, it's not just us. I I don't know if you've ever done this. Um, In our home, if we have a bar of chocolate to share... You know, you break it up while it's still wrapped up, don't you? And then you open it up, and I see my children look, which is the biggest piece? Isn't that? Actually, Lindsay looks first, which is the biggest piece, that would be the truth. And then everybody else dives in, you see, and, and, and there will be one that says, yeah, but they got more than me. I, it actually happens over puddings as well. Does it happen in your house? Over puddings? We have puddings, you know. You pour custard on, or whatever it might be, and they'll look. Actually, in our home, it's over ice cream. You get a you know size of the ice cream dollop. They'll look, and I will see certain of my children checking the bowls around the table like this. <laughs> He's got more than me, and one of my children would always say, "I'll have a bit more, please," like this, you know, to to ensure that we get. At the right amount. And we're, and we're very good, aren't we? As of course, all of us are very good. We, we uh, uh, hide our complaining in different ways. We start to uh, compare ourselves to others. They've got more than me. Uh, they've done better than me. And, and, and we're not the first to complain in life. Um, God's people complain when Moses was leading them out of slavery in Egypt to freedom in the Promised Land. And it was a bit uncomfortable in the desert, and they complained. They said, send us back to Egypt, where we were beaten and treated as slaves. We, we had better life there than we had here. You know, a, a little bit of discomfort to find ultimate uh, freedom. Um, complaining in every way. Well, our reading this morning is about some workers who complained. Uh, complained about um, uh, what was going on um, in uh, Uh, a a situation of employing people from uh, the marketplace. And I want to just have a little look at this parable together and see if we can uh, mine some information from it for you uh, and for me today. Uh, Because I think the parable goes against the grain of some of our uh, values that we all hold, actually well, I've worked longer hours and harder for that, so I should get more. That is the system upon which our country is based. You know, I, I'll get a just wage for my day's work, and um, if I have put more in, I will get more back out. That's how we work as a country. Uh, not necessarily, of course, the right way to work, and not necessarily a kingdom value. And I think that what... Uh, we get here is we get a difference. In this parable, we see a difference between human justice, what we think is a just way to live, and kingdom justice, what God sees as a just way to live, how we might live uh, our lives. Um, uh, Listen to the parable once more with me. So this landowner hired workers in the morning and promised to pay them the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. That was about 6 in the morning. He comes back at 9 a.m. and he gets some more people. And then at 3 and then at 5 in the afternoon, he hires more workers. And he says this in verse 4 of our reading, it says this. So he hired them, telling them that he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So far, so good in our minds. We've got it all figured out on a pro rata basis. Those who've worked throughout the whole day will be paid more because they'll get a fair wage. He'll pay them what is right at the end of the day uh, than those who are hired later in the day. Then comes the problem. Because at the end of the day, the landowner gets all the workers lined up. And starting with those who started work at five o'clock, he pays them a full day's wage. So everybody was paid the same. Those who worked one hour were paid the same as those who worked 12 hours. And those who'd worked all day or longer hours grumbled. They said, it isn't fair. We've worked all day and yet you're giving those who've worked for such a short length of time the same amount of wage. The key thing to note here is that those who'd worked all day were paid the same, but they were paid what they were promised. They had agreed to work for that amount for the day. And he finishes by saying this. The landowner says this. It isn't against the law for me to do what I want with my money. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? I want to bring out just two things out of this passage for us. Uh, this morning. And the first is this uh, What was it about those workers who'd worked all day that made them so upset when others were paid the same? I think that the problem was that they, was that they were working for pay and not out of purpose. They were working with their eyes fixed on the pay packet at the end of the day, not on their purpose of being. It's a question we could do well to ask of ourselves. What is the motives that we have to do what we do? Whether you're employed full time, whether you serve as a volunteer throughout the week, uh, work in the community, whether you work around the home, what motivates you to do what you do? The truth probably is if if it's money, recognition or praise, you're heading for a life of dissatisfaction. Most jobs in this country pay us enough for us to live very well, actually. But if you are looking to earn more, looking for recognition recognition and praise, then you're earning for dis- heading for dissatisfaction. If what you're doing isn't self-satisfying and self-fulfilling, at some point you'll find reason to complain. That maybe someone who's doing the same job is perhaps getting more. Then you'll begin to feel resentful, as the workers in this parable uh, did. It's only as you truly enjoy doing what you're doing, that you will live a life of full satisfaction. And we won't be looking over our shoulders and comparing ourselves to others. I realize that I um, speak from a very privileged uh, position. Um, I'm actually doing what I love doing. I still, I say to Linz often, I still say, I can't quite believe I get paid to do what I do for free. Now that means don't don't stop paying me, because we do have to live. But I can't quite believe it. That I get to do what I do, willingly, but people give me enough to live on as well. That's my approach to what I do. I genuinely feel that every day. I think, well, I'm not quite sure what this week is going to bring. You know, what is it that God's got in store for us? This week just gone. Uh, On um, uh, Wednesday morning, I was up um, in uh, uh, the city, uh, um, in Westminster, I mean, uh, putting the final touches on the launch of National Marriage Week. Uh, in the morning, meeting with a bunch of organisations. We're launching National Marriage Week at the beginning of February, trying to get it out there across the country to get as many people as we can excited about the marriages that they're in and strengthening their marriages. If you want to do the marriage course here, starts this Thursday. Lindsay and I would love you to come along and join with us in Papillon, the coffee shop. We'll be doing the marriage course together with you. But I was there in the morning. In the afternoon, I was at HDB and uh, part of a small group of people who were launching a national parenting initiative across the country. We had government ministers there. We had people from every um, organization that we could find there. We had representatives of the Catholic Church, Pentecostal Church. Um, Gary Clark from Hillsong was hosting it with uh, Nicky Gumbel and others from HDB. And together, we were working together. And there's been three of us that have been putting it together. For all of this to happen... Every denomination and stream coming together. And I was part of that all uh, Wednesday afternoon. Really exciting. We had 200 people from across the nation come in by car, plane, all sorts of things to come to this meeting to launch this. And um, then afterwards had uh, um, some, uh, met with some other leaders to uh, think about some other things that we could be doing with them. Um, Uh, Pastor Agu and and, uh, Gary Clark from Hillsong and Nikki Gummel from HTB and a few of us getting together to say, let's not stop here. What else can we do together across this nation to bring change across this nation? I went to bed that night and I was thinking, I love this job. I love this job. We're trying to make a difference in people's lives. And on Thursday and Friday, I've had uh, 25 leaders of churches here who run churches over 500. We've been thinking about what we're doing as church leaders together and how we can work as church leaders together, how we can support one another and how we can motivate and encourage churches to to be alive with the goodness of Christ across this nation. I, I've had an absolute ball this week. Then yesterday, spent some of yesterday um, caring for three children, the three little boys of the young uh, uh, Darren and Karen Young, because Alice is in hospital. There, uh, little girls in hospital, and I f- just phoned Darren in the morning. Said, "May anything I can do?" And he said, "Yeah, take my three boys." I was brave It's like I didn't mean that. that that's a, you know. <laughs> so we're on the common Do you know what? Do you know what? Lynn said to me the other week. She said, um, "I'm not very good. I'm not very good. I I, I drive a Ford Galaxy. I really like cars." I drive a Ford Galaxy. I mean, that's really sad, isn't it? I, I drive this car and I get in. It's really nice to drive. But again, I think, I'm a bus driver. That's what I think. <laughs> and I'd like to be a racing driver. You know, that's what I think. So I'm not very good at cleaning it. Cause I, you know, it's like, it's just a bus. And um, she said to me, she said to me recently, she said, we really need to get it clean. We really need to get it clean. So I thought, right, that's it. So I took a box. Took everything out of every pocket, every sticky lollipop, every oh yeah, all that stuff. I stuck it all in the box. The box is still on my desk at home, and I took it down the road. And I said to the man, "I said, inside and out, please." And he said, "Great, that's 15 quid." I went bargain. So he did the whole lot. Took it home, fantastic. And I'm like, "This is so clean." Yesterday, I had three boys on Ealing Common playing football. And they got in the car with muddy boots over every seat they could possibly find. I was going home, I was going, like, I just pay 15 quid to get this thing clean. But we spent yesterday caring for them and, and visiting Alice and praying. And then and, uh, uh, and last night, I had a, a curry of my son as he goes back to uni today. A curry and a couple of beers with him to say cheerio. I've had a great week. Do you know, I, I honestly can say I get up every week. I get up every week with the purpose of sharing Christ and seeing his kingdom come. And I live for it. I live for it daily. There's a purpose in what I do. There's a purpose in what you do. Whether you work in a bank, whether you work for, uh, as a plumber, whether you work as an electrician, whether you're a builder, there's a purpose in what you do. And you don't do it just to get a salary at the end of the week. You get it because of what you do. You might be providing insurance for people. People on a ferry will be very glad you have provided insurance for them this week. If your house is burnt down, the purpose of that insurance is significant to the people whose house got burnt down. It will give them a new start in life. If you're looking after people's money in a bank, it's really important that it's looked after well. Whatever it is, we have a purpose in what we do. And we've got to do our work for the purpose of the work not just to get the money at the end of the week. I I, I think that that's the spirit of gainful employment, doing what you love to do and doing it well, and if we're fortunate enough, we get paid for it. And I think when you're in the right job, you have the right spirit, and actually work is a joy, and that's what God teaches us about work. That we work to the glory of God and the benefit of others whether we're working at a bank, teaching at a college or a school or nursing or plumbing, or whatever it might be, if you find fulfillment in what you're doing, then you're able to do it for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. And in the long run, if that is the case, money, recognition and praise has got nothing to do with it. Because you go to bed at night thinking, I did a great job today, whatever that job might be. The second thing, second problem the workers had here, I think in this parable is that they lacked a healthy sense of thanksgiving. I don't know if you've been out of work before and have ever applied for a job um, and been turned down. If you have, you'll know it is no fun. Or can you remember when you were first offered a job and uh, you went for the interviews and there's a whole line of people going for interviews and you get the phone call, you get the letter and you get it and you go, yes! I've got a job, I'm doing this, there's something significant that's going to happen to my life. And you are so thankful for the opportunity to do something and get paid for it and make a difference uh, in what you're doing. Of course, when we get that job, those feelings can sometimes wear off. And then we stop being so thankful and we start treating it as a right. And then we start grumbling and complaining. And we lose our sense of thanksgiving for what we have. We feel we have a certain right to privileges. We have a right to a certain salary. A right to the benefits that they bring. We start complaining. I was part of a discussion group actually with um, the Church of England about salaries for Anglican clergy. It was really interesting. There was a bunch of us who were church leaders there. And they were saying about salary (laughs) rises for clergy. And um, they said, you know, should we, should we give a rise this year? What should we do? And, they, uh, and I was like, no. Nope. I said, because no one will complain, will they? We won't complain. We do it because we want to do it. I was the only clergy <laughs> to say such a thing. People looked at me like, what planet are you on? I'm like, what? Well, I believe this. This is what we do. And what's 2% difference going to make to you, for goodness sake? And take away meal once a year, get your life right. You know, we, we do it because we're thankful that we do it. We don't treat it as a place for rights and privileges. If we, if, if, we don't, if we lose our sense of thanksgiving, then it, it doesn't become the fulfilling, satisfying place that it once was. And I think the first issue with these workers was that they didn't have the right motivation. But the second issue was that they'd lost their sense of thanksgiving. And when that happens, we lose our enthusiasm. And we start to see work not as a chance to be fulfilled and get ahead, but as something to be endured. And I want to reflect on one other aspect of thanksgiving when it comes to work. You know, if we're always grateful, then we will remain humble. And if you keep humble, you will regularly stop to consider those who are less fortunate than yourself. You know the old saying, I I complained because I had no shoes until I met the man who had no feet. The same holds true for every level of work. You may be able to clean your house, mow your lawn, buy your groceries, pay your bills. There are those who are unable to do any of those things. And the more you consider how blessed you are, the more you're able to look out with compassion on those who aren't so blessed. I read in the news this week, as I'm sure many of you did, of the situation that's unfolding in Greece. The BBC website talks about the unemployed and the homeless problems, and it said this. One morning, a few weeks before Christmas, a kindergarten teacher in Athens found a note around one of her four-year-old pupils, which read, I will not be coming back to pick up Anna today, Because I cannot afford to look after her. Please take good care of her. Sorry, her mother. The article went on, A young Orthodox priest runs a youth centre for the city's poor and has found four children on his doorstep recently, including a baby just a few days old. We have so much to be thankful for. So much. If you've got a job if you've got some income coming in, if you can find satisfaction in that, we've got so much to be thankful for. I want to reflect just on one little thing about this passage before I come into land. The the workers who were hired first thing in the morning, it's not like the job centres of today. You know, you didn't put your qualifications down on paper and hope that someone will read them and employ you if you were unemployed in those days, you would stand around in the marketplace and people would come and look at you and employ you if they felt able to. Just picture that situation for a moment and imagine who gets employed first. Let me help your imagination. It will be the young and the physically able. It will be those who are able to spring to their feet And move about quickly. That means that the older people who can't leap to their feet. Those who are slower or handicapped either physically or mentally. Or a little frailer would have been left until the very end of the day. So the likelihood was that those who were employed at 5pm would otherwise not have got any employment at all. And in this parable God's justice is that everyone got to work. That everyone was given the essential earnings to feed his family. And actually the inequality of their different hours of work and therefore the amount that they worked for their pay is perhaps offset by their inequality in their strengths and abilities and opportunities. That's God's justice. Not that we get what we deserve, but rather we get what we need. Human justice versus God's justice, if you remember we started there. We say today that we get what we deserve. We work for it, we earn it, and ultimately we begin to think that we have a right right to it. God's justice is this, not that we get what we deserve, but we get what we need. The problem with the workers who complain the loudest is that they fail to recognize their relationship to one another. Or to put it another way, the offense of God's justice is softened when all the workers and the 5 p.m. workers stop seeing each other as an us and them and start seeing each other as a we. The story is told of this parable, which I think is a quite powerful one. It depicts two brothers vying for work. John is strong and capable. Philip, just as willing and strong, but last year lost a hand in an accident. When the landowner comes, John is taken in the first wave of workers, and as he labours in the field, he looks up the lane for some sign that Philip might have been employed. Others are brought to the field, but he's not in the 9am workers. John is still grateful to have the work, but feels empty knowing that Philip is just as needy as he is. The midday workers arrive and Philip is still not in the group. 3 p.m. workers arrive and Philip is still not there. Finally, the last workers arrive at 5 p.m. And Philip is among them. And John is relieved to know that Philip will get one hour's work that day. As the drama unfolds, those who came last get a full day's wages. And John rejoices knowing that his brother Philip will have money to feed his family. And when it comes to John's turn to stand before the landowner and receive his pay, instead of complaining like the others, John throws out his hand and says with tears in his eyes, Thank you, my Lord, for what you have done for us today. You see, God's justice arises out of a sense of community in which we see the 5 p.m. workers as our brothers and sisters whose needs are every bit as important as our own. And I, I, I want to pray for us all today that we would celebrate that we live in a country where those without work get unemployment benefit, where social security is a possibility where people get the help that they need and that we who have work have the privilege of contributing towards our brothers and sisters who have less. And I also want to pray that we would know a purpose and fulfilment in what we do, that our focus wouldn't be so much on a wage at the end of the week, but on the lives that we're affecting and helping on a daily basis. And that we would work with hearts of gratitude, knowing God's pleasure on us and celebrating our contribution to society today. Can we stand together? Father, I want to thank you that you, well, Lord, for those today in this room who have work, whether that be work in a paid capacity or a volunteer capacity, whether that be work at home or in an office, for those who are able to do What they believe they should be doing, Lord, we thank you. Lord, for those who don't and who struggle, Lord, we thank you that they're part of us and that it's a we together, supporting one another, encouraging one another, helping one another in community. Thank you, Lord, for the lessons we learn from this parable, that your justice is so different from ours. That you want all people to be looked after. And that we're to be people who reach out and welcome the 5 p.m. workers. We're to celebrate when people get enough to put bread on the table and food on the plate. Help us, Lord, to live lives full of purpose and passion, with hearts of thanksgiving, walking humbly while we have jobs that we can enjoy and celebrate. And help us, Lord, to have arms big enough to include those in our community. We don't have that at the moment, and Lord, I want to thank you for that God in work ministry that uh, Bruce and Susie head up. And we want to pray your blessing and your multiplication and your favour on that ministry. As through that, we try to help people who are unemployed back into employment. And take us, Lord Jesus, as a family together here. That we will be known as a church that lives not by the rule of human justice, but by the rule of God's justice, kingdom justice. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen.